Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Christina Stathopoulos, and I will be your host today. I am dedicated to the world of data, currently working as an analytical lead for Waze at Google, an adjunct professor of analytics at IE Business School and ISD, and an active public speaker in the space. I am very excited to be here today because in today's episode, I am joined by Richard Haynes, founder and CEO of Brightlight. We are kicking off a three-part series where we will be chatting about, as Brightlight puts it, transformational serverless acceleration for analytics. So let's have Richard speak more to that, though. Welcome, Richard. How are you doing today? Hi, Christina. Uh, Doing really well. Great to be on the podcast with you. And we're really excited about this space. And, um, you know, there's a lot of developments happening here. Uh, It's really meaningful for companies and really important to what is getting AI into production. So uh, super pleased to be part of this. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful to have you on. And I, as well as I'm sure our listeners are very excited to hear about what you have to share about the space. Could you start first by introducing yourself to our listeners? Tell us a little bit about who you are and also what you and your team do at Brightlight. Sure, absolutely. So at Brightlight, um, we're building a solution for data scientists to really get the most out of what they're doing and um, for those great um, data science solutions to be deployed into production. So um, we're a startup. We've been going for a number of years and we have built a solution that is using graphics processing units to really accelerate things. And on top of that, we've then built software to um, enable data scientists and also ML ops practitioners to really get the most out of what they're doing. But the core thing that's really interesting, I think, is that we're using a database as the vehicle for everything. Um, We believe that by bringing AI to the database, uh, we can start to use the database in all sorts of interesting ways um, to solve some of the problems that are happening in the ML space uh, and to not necessarily have to rebuild the wheel, but uh, to make use of um, all these great things that our databases uh, are able to do already today. Got it. So we're going to we're going to dive much deeper into some of these pieces today as well as in our our future episodes together. And I think our listeners are going to be eager to know what goes on behind the scenes at at Brightlight. But to commence our first episode together, I've decided to begin with a focus on the world of deployment, MLOps, and the critical piece that databases play amongst all of this as you were mentioning. Let's let's take a step back first. So for our listeners that may be newer to the space, can you explain what exactly MLOps means and what it entails? Sure. So, um, yes, absolutely. So MLOps uh, sort of is amalgamation of words, but sort of starting at DevOps and then specializing in the ML uh, side of that. So getting machine learning into operations. And that is actually becoming pretty complicated because what you're trying to do is, first of all, get machine learning into production. So that means that users can start to see the benefits and applications and services can see the benefits of that uh, machine learning or deep learning model. But by doing that, you start to come up against all sorts of challenges. Um, The first thing that you come come up against is 
access and authentication. So making sure that the right people are allowed to use the right models uh, and to do that in a secure way. Uh, secondly, the next thing that you then have to do, uh, deal with is concurrency and scalability. So lots of users uh, coming and using that model, um, using the same model all at the same time and being able to deal with um, that as it scales. Uh, and then thirdly, once you've solved those two problems, finally tracking the model as it's performing. So tracking and recording all the inputs, all the outputs, capturing uh, the real data and monitoring the model in production, being aware of where its context might change. So you get things like data drift. Models uh, are always uh, out of date. They're always dated. Um, the world moves on. And so being aware of that, capturing where that data drift hits a point where you need to retrain your model, um, you then need to be able to take all of that information and have it available in an auditable way. There's, uh, there's lots of regulation. You need to be able to uh, replicate what you've done, audit what you've done, and keep the model up to date. And if you've got a number of models in production and you've got a lot of data coming through and every all of that needs to be versioned and controlled and understood and audited, uh, that becomes a really complicated process. And that is one of the things, um, so getting machine learning or AI into production, one of the things that we're really focusing on. And we believe that databases um, have already solved a lot of those problems. And that's why we are bringing the AI to the database rather than trying to reinvent the wheel and rebuild all of these things to deal with the three points that I mentioned. Uh, access, authentication, security is the one. Second is scalability, concurrent usage. And the third is then tracking, recording, monitoring, uh, and automatically um, retraining and redeploying models. Yeah, I think there's a lot there's a lot going on, a lot more than than some people might realize. And I'm personally hearing more and more about ML ops. I've heard um, a lot of focus just on ops in general, data ops, ML ops, DevOps, but focusing on that ML ops piece. I have previously heard, seen that between 60 to 80% of models built with the intention to deploy never actually make it to deployment. So from your vast experience, what are the top challenges that MLOps faces today? And I'm sure some of them might link into these three these three pieces that you were talking about. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, so that, that sort of number, 60 to 80%, sometimes it's uh, a quote around how many models actually get into production or don't get into production. You know, there's a quote that 80% of models don't get into production. There's another quote, and this is actually from um, people who are, you know, speaking to a large system integrator. They're right at the forefront of getting AI into production for their clients. Uh, and the 80% um, was the cost of getting a model into production and keeping it in production was um, around 80% of the full life cycle. So, you know, all of the data science team building a model and then deploying it. It's actually in deployment where those costs really start to get incurred um, over like a, a five-year timeline. Um, and that's because it's complicated. It's complex. It's a new space. So there's a lot of new emerging companies and solutions available. Uh, a lot of stuff is being built from scratch. Uh, and that's because it's kind of come up out of the DevOps space. So you know, DevOps we're very fond of using Python, microservices, REST APIs to glue together, bring bring a solution together. Uh, and so it was a natural progression that 
those were the kinds of approaches used when deploying ML ops and, and machine learning AI into production. But we believe that using databases, you can solve many of the problems and challenges just using the database infrastructure. Okay. So it sounds like in general, we are up against some pretty tough challenges. I've heard you mention cost, of course, the complexity of it. It's a new space. Um, there's a variety of solutions out there, a lot of them being built from scratch. And then, of course, you mentioned this solution of databases. So how do databases factor into all of this? I understand that at Brightlight, you use PostgreSQL and you offer serverless capabilities. Why is a database such a cool idea to address these challenges that you mentioned? So, yeah, we've been working with Postgres for a long time and um, we've got some very tight integration uh, between Postgres and PyTorch uh, and at the hardware layer on GPUs. And so what we've done is we're actually using PyTorch tensors as the storage for the columns in our tables in our database. And so what that means is you can use Postgres to ingest the data. All it goes and sits on the GPUs. We have GPU tables. You use Postgres to do all your pre-training, data engineering. You can then flick over to your Jupyter Notebook, connect to the database, and all those columns on our tensors, and you're able to uh, work with them. But what's really cool about using a database is that those issues, those three issues, those three factors that I mentioned to start off with, which is um, access, authentication, and security, databases have solved those problems very efficiently, uh, very robustly already. We all know how to use connectors to connect to a database. Um, databases are also really good at scaling. They're very good at dealing with lots of concurrent users connecting all at the same time, giving them access to the same data. And so using that mechanism, that, that ability to scale, um, solves that challenge within the database without having to do anything new. And then thirdly, databases are very, very good at uh, capturing and tracking information uh, and storing it and retrieving it. Now, I, I think it's worth saying our focus is on structured data using Postgres. So our solutions are focused towards using deep learning on structured data and using the database to then uh, provide the deployment mechanism. But the database allows us to get all these great things that we need when we want to deploy ML into production. And the way we do it is we actually take the table uh, and wrap it around the deep learning model. So what happens is a user can use uh, SQL tools and language connectors, uh, query the database, query the table, and interact with the model as if it's a table. And what this does is you get all this great functionality, but it also means that all the skills that you need are you know, already there and well understood because, you know, databases have been around for a long time. People know how to use them. Incredibly interesting. And and I think one of our future episodes will we'll go into this because I, as well as I'm sure our listeners, would love to learn a little bit more about how you're deploying these these deep learning models. And then you mentioned that you're even able to use the SQL language to interact with the model, which I think makes it much more accessible for for teams. Um, and I was just curious because you've you've been mentioning the GPUs. Is there anything that you want to share about why your why you've decided to use GPUs? So you know GPUs are these amazing compute devices. They're super efficient. They do things in parallel. 
Um, there's lots of deep learning that has been designed to run on GPU efficiently. Deep learning can be very demanding. And so what we're doing is we're using the GPUs to really enable a real improvement in performance. Um, and we've actually really extended it as well. So for instance, PyTorch uh, naturally runs on GPUs because of the capabilities that uh, GPUs bring. But because of the way we've actually implemented the, the tensors in the database, when PyTorch connects to the database, uh, all those tensors are already on GPU. And so um, what would normally happen in a sort of vanilla environment is PyTorch would be swapping data in and out of the GPUs. And that's very time consuming and starts to put an overhead in actually using the GPUs. By using the bright light database as a starting point where the data is already loaded on the GPUs fully, that means that you don't do the swapping and you get a real performance improvement. And so, you know, GPUs really, uh, in many ways, are the future of, of uh, data processing and deep learning. And so we're just, you know, a, a natural evolution of that um, and using the GPUs to make things go faster. Okay, so you're, you're leaning into the GPUs much more than the traditionally used CPUs. Um, and, and going a little bit back to, to what we were discussing before. So in general, how do you and your, you and your solutions at Brightlight help businesses and teams address all these challenges faced? Is there anything else that we're missing besides the database solution that you were explaining and of course the GPUs? Yeah, so I think it's worth adding in that um, we support uh, ML flow because you need an MLOps uh, type package to um, manage the experiments and running the training and, and doing things in an automated way. Um, so we have that, that ability. Uh, secondly, I think it's also really worth saying that um, the most expensive GPU is an idle GPU. Uh, GPUs are expensive. So we have implemented our solution in a serverless way. That means that um, you can get all the full benefits of the GPUs when you're using a solution, uh, and when you're not using a solution, those GPUs are decommissioned. They're not even they're not even there to be built. So you really get all the benefits uh, and can really mitigate the costs. And I think you know serverless solutions are absolutely the future as well. We went from on-prem, and then there was cloud. Serverless is is really the the natural next step, and and getting the most of the hardware as and when you're using it. Um, and not paying for idle hardware. I think the, the the distinction for serverless is all that switching on the hardware and switching it off and loading state and, and loading data is handled by our software. So the user doesn't really even know that it's happening. They have this experience where the solution is, is always available to them when they log on. It seems like it's uh, a seamless experience, but actually in the background, we're working to make sure that the hardware is there when it's needed uh, and then and not in it, incurring cost when it's not being used. I love what you said that the most expensive GPU is an idle GPU. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, completely agree with what you're mentioning about the serverless solutions, the benefits of this, and focusing a bit more on specifics. Can you give us a couple of use case examples of how a solution such as yours can help a company scale up their analytics and ML. Absolutely. So there's a company we've been working with. This example speaks to a couple of questions that, that often come up when, when we're speaking to people for the first time. Uh, so one of the questions is, you know, we're focusing on deep learning. 
and, and structured data and, and, you know, is that a good thing to be doing? The other is, you know, around the MLOps piece and um, what are the benefits of using a database? So there's, um, there's a customer we're working with um, and they're in the ad tech space and they've been using a, a random forest approach to customer classification. Was running multiple days to actually get to the end. Um, and so what we did is we um, implemented it uh, just using standard PyTorch, just using a deep learning approach to achieve the same outcome that reduced it down to um, a couple of hours. Uh, and then we actually moved that onto our version um, where the data is on the database and uh, immediately accessible to PyTorch. And that brought it down to a couple of minutes in training time. So there was uh, a massive improvement in training time. Um, but that is just one part of the problem because once you get there, then you want to be uh, deploying it rapidly into production. And that's when the database, uh, using the database for deployment really starts to kick in because the database, the database is really good at uh, those three points that uh, I mentioned, you know, are the problems that you're trying to solve when getting ML ops into production. And so the customer was not only able to reduce training times, you know, massively, they were able to get a much more accurate solution because they were using deep learning rather than, you know, your traditional machine learning. Uh, and once they had this model, getting it into production was really easy, keeping it up to date, um, really easy. And, and so there's some real benefits both in time in training and also actually getting uh, to market and getting that the work done by the data scientists into productive use. Okay. And you said that this was the ad tech industry, right? That's right. Exactly. So that was in the ad tech industry. And um, to make sure that I understood as well, you you were able to decrease the training time from days originally to minutes, correct? That's yeah, it's incredible. It's huge. Um, yeah. it, it's massive, absolutely massive. And and the, and the reason why that happens is that that's fundamentally uh, deep learning is doing that. So deep learning, um, when you start comparing it to machine learning, and I'm, I'm talking about in the structured data space. I'm not talking about computer vision where you know we all know and understand how effective deep learning is but with structured data tabular data um, you can use deep learning to accelerate um, the training process and that's because machine learning approaches often get overwhelmed when the data starts to become a certain size and not, i'm not even talking about you know big data or, or very large data i'm talking about just a couple of uh, gigabytes worth so machine learning methods often become overwhelmed and then as because of that they then need to spend a lot more time crunching through the data um, so that's the one benefit training time uh, the second benefit is actually that you start to get much more accurate models they're much more easy to use uh, and we've done a lot of we've invested a lot of time to make it easy for somebody to come to our platform choose a model from a library of untrained models uh, connected very quickly and easy to a table and database set up a training regime and, you know, uh, get a model out within a couple of minutes. And this is because deep learning, uh, although creating that initial model is highly specialized in a, in a very specific kind of skill set in data science, once you've got that model, uh, it's very flexible. You can accommodate much larger data sets. You can accommodate much more complex, much wider data sets, longer data sets. Uh, anomalies and outliers are better handled within deep learning. Um, so you get all these great benefits and amazingly much faster training times. 
Okay. It's great to know that with deep learning, you're, you're able to do this, to improve the training time by so much, as well as the accuracy. Um, and really interesting to hear this use case that you were able to implement this with the bright light solutions. Um, any, this is, I think the entire conversation has been, has been very interesting. Um, I think throughout our entire conversation today, you've touched on lots of different nuggets of knowledge that are, that are useful for our listeners, novices to the field, but even for those more seasoned. And it, it was nice wrapping it up with this particular industry use case, helping understand how we put this all into practice and the benefits that it can have. Do you have any, any last words for our listeners? I think the last thing to say is, um, obviously, you know, we're available on brightlight.io. There's lots of information there, and I think you might be um, touching on that as well. The only thing to add is, um, with regards to our serverless solution, we have a free version. Uh, all the software is there. The hardware is there. You get some time on GPUs. Uh, all you need to do is create an account and uh, bring your data, and we've got some great data connectors to make it really easy to get your data to connect to that data uh, from the platform. Um, and so I can just really encourage people to come and have a look. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Richard, for all of your great insight on today's topic. And also thank you to everyone who tuned in to our conversation today. Remember that this is part one of a three-part series. So I will be joined by Richard again soon. And if you would like for more information on what we discussed today, as well as to check out this free tier solution, make sure you head on over to brightlight.io. It's spelled B-R-Y-T-L-Y-T. We will be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. So until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. Follow the conversation on our socials at EM360Tech, on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, head on over to EM360Tech.com. <laughs>